on this episode of AV Week, what a deskless workspace means for AV dealers, the good and bad of manufacturer partnerships. And we take a swing at debating AV as a service. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 419, recorded Friday, August 30th, 2019. Pros and cons. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Vadio, makers of the new NDI professional broadcast camera, the RoboShot 30E NDI, with simultaneous HDMI and full new tech NDI streaming. And by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, uh, I guess you could call him my partner in crime, The actually the gentleman who does this other show uh, every single week called Resi Week. Uh, his name is Matt D. Scott. He is from Omega Audio Video. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, also with us, uh, two uh, brand new folks. So uh, Matt, be nice to them. Uh, first and foremost, Melody Cragmile from uh, Almo Professional AV. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Uh, and also Adam Robertson from Jabra. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. absolutely. And if you're, if you're watching the video, Adam is also um, uh, highlighting one of the things that, that they uh, have now is the Panacap. So uh, the wide wide angle uh, wide angle camera there so enjoy that if you're not watching it just imagine him being <laughs> wide uh, all right first story we have here comes to us from sound and communications uh cisco honeywell and theatro actually makes an interesting trio uh the three have joined forces to transform quote unquote the future of retail hospitality manufacturing and other markets with large deskless workforces the article goes on to describe uh, what Theatro's voice-driven uh, AI platform or intelligent assistant platform, rather, uh, it allows uh, workers to do and allows designers to do, honestly. The one interesting thing here, and Matt, we're going to start with you on this, is the, the, the three players here. You've got Theatro, which does voice. You've got Cisco, which is obviously a heavy um, uh, network, but also they also do video conferencing and, and things like that. And then you've got Honeywell. Oh, these three players driving, or at least attempting to drive, this, this future of deskless um, workspaces. What do we think about the fact that these three are coming together in such a way, and, and how is this going to impact the folks that are going into office spaces every single day, designing and, and bringing AV to them? I think the really interesting aspect of this is what you kind of alluded to there with, with Honeywell. Uh, Theatro makes tons of sense. Cisco, of course, makes, makes miles of sense. This is their jam right now. Uh, used to be strictly IT. Now it is 100% UC. Um, Honeywell is the, is the fun little addition to this. Honeywell is a massive company, but they also have a massive investment in, uh, in BIM and uh, building information management uh, systems and, and things such as that. And we've seen this trend uh, from a lot of the manufacturers within our channel uh, where they're, they're really starting to leverage 
the the information that they can pull out of the business uh, out of the 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 businesses out of the offices out of the actual building and i'm really intrigued to see where this goes i'm very intrigued to watch how this whole deskless environment progresses because if if you've been following the open office conversations that have been happening the last 10 to 5 to 10 years we're now starting to see that shift back even new york times and uh, Global Mail and a bunch of the other uh, mainstream press are starting to report that open offices are starting to not be in vogue the way they were in the the early you know 2010s. So the deskless aspect of this really is going to be very interesting to watch. But again, you throw Cisco and Honeywell to pull all the building aspects of them, put those two together. If anybody's going to really understand how to do this well and effectively. It's those two players. Well, and Melanie, let's talk about that for a second. Is is this open office versus closed office versus whatever the hoteling, you know, the other types of, of offices? When we start talking about the design, we start talking about what employers or, or building owners, and, and, and I, I'm hesitating here because it depends on, on who you are and whether or not you own the building, whether or not you're leasing the building, right? Uh, and how you're able to best utilize um, both the technology as well as the investment in the, in the space. What do we think is, is going to be like kind of the future of this when it comes to getting our, the dealers, giving them the tools to be able to tell the client, hey, regardless of whatever kind of structure you want to put in place, again, whether it's open, whether it's, it's having offices or hoteling, we're going to be able to, to help you with the analytics and the data to help you make better decisions. Does something like this help with that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple aspects to it. I think that, you know, the dealers, you know, really have to, you know, understand the culture of the company that they're going to be working with. Um, I heard a lady named Kay Sargent from HOK Architecture Firm speak about this, uh, this exact uh, <laughs> type of thing with the desk list uh, and, you know, she says, uh, in some cases, you know, it's, it's also a cultural thing. She said, you know, if you bring people over from Asia and you don't have an office, then it seems like that you are not important enough. So in some cases they have, for this, um, you know, one company that didn't have any offices, they built 16 conference rooms and each executive had their own conference room. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with, you know, companies becoming so much more global and so much more engaged. I think it is kind of in vogue and cool, but I think the dealers are going to have to understand the cultural nuances of the company and of their customers who will be coming into the environment. Real quickly, and this is total side note to any of the three of you. Is it a, is it a, a, a step up or an or a, a, a promotion if you have your own conference room, but maybe not your own, own, own office? That's, that's impressive. I'll take a conference room in a second. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. You no, know, I don't have an office, but you know what? I have my own conference room. So I think that's kind of cool. All right, Adam, um, from a, when it comes to you know, making sure that these spaces are, can be seen and heard, uh, regardless of whether they are, are connecting, what is, this, what is uh, getting feedback and getting the information and the, these analytics mean for not only folks like you who are trying to create new, new things, but also for, for the dealers trying to feed back into their clients and their clients' ROI? I mean, we're, we're seeing basically that the, the edge of the balance where it's tipping now, where the devices we deploy, to your point, they can't just be a headset, can't just be a camera, because 
as you pack more of these people on top of each other, then you start looking at real estate getting involved. It's not just the IT decision makers sitting by themselves anymore. It's real estate. It's HR. They've got to look at employee wellness. You've got to look at how you're managing everything. And if you can get information in from those endpoints, are you packing the people too densely? Is certain areas of the office environment too much? Because all this noise affects the way the employees work. It affects their productivity. And unless the IT person or the real estate person is standing there at the time, it's very hard for them to collect data. So we're feeling the pressure on our side to turn our endpoints into basically data points as well. So I've got my headset. I can hear what's going on. But at the same time, we need the back end to be recording what is the noise like? What are the audio levels like? Do we need to start knowing that we need to address certain flaws in the building? Um, and that just puts additional pressure on us to make sure that the headsets can do more. And we really are doing more. Our competitors are doing more. And now really it's going to be the case of the ROI is not just going to be, did I successfully de deploy my UC system? Great. But now the ROI is, is your adoption rate up? Are you seeing real change? Because because the work is changing. I mean, our tasks are harder. And because of that, we need to collaborate more. So we're talking more with each other. This deskless um, concept is, is interesting because you need to get up from your desk to go speak to a specialist. You need to be able to come back. And, and it's just mobility is a very big part of it as well. Well, if I can add a comment, what I find so fascinating about this entire concept and you know, again, a lot of the manufacturers are moving towards this data aspect. In the past, when you would go and try and spec a room, you'd ask your client, you know, what rooms are most important? Where do you put uh, your executives? Where do you put your huddle spaces, et cetera, et cetera. And it would al always usually be anecdotal at best. Now we're pulling not only information directly from, you know, our, our products and, and our services that we're putting into those spaces, but we're also pulling business information out of the building. And I, I think the building data that you can pull is going to be even more uh, or, or even less jaded than the, the technology data that we're pulling. More it's really cool to watch. Yeah, more true, more pure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, uh, before we move on to the next story here, I, I, Melody mentioned Kay Sargent. Actually, she's our next guest on uh, our next Architect show. Uh, it's a brand new show that we started about four or five months ago interviewing architects. And Melody, it was um, it was uh, um, Megan Detta from SCN who actually told me about that that session and, and how impressed she was and a number of you guys were. So yeah, we yeah, she's going to be speaking at our uh, E4AB tour in Atlanta on uh, that's going to be on um, October fifteenth. So she's going to be talking about the workspace of the future and going through some of those trends. You know the, the things that HOK is seeing from their clients. Um, you know design trends and how it affects AV. And so we're, we're excited to have her as a part of that. Absolutely. And, and I'm actually going to be at the, the, New, the New Jersey, the New York area one, uh, uh, September 25th. So yeah, we'll talk about that in a second too. Uh, next story comes to us, our friends over at AV Magazine. Uh, speaking of me going places, I'm going to be heading over there with our buddy Chris Netto uh, for their annual awards ceremony uh, over in October. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. We'll tell you more about that. Um, but ViewWall and LG are created a corporate partnership uh, offering customers, quote unquote, a fully integrated control room solution that combines ViewWall's advanced ViewScape video wall processor with LG's latest uh, video wall display. It's, it, you click on the link, it's actually, it's quite impressive. Melly, I want to start with you on this. As, as a distributor, companies like this, they, they form partnerships. And sometimes they actually form partnership with you guys as well. 
when it comes to that, what are some of the, the pros of that when you are talking with dealers? How do you approach them and say, you know what, here, here's the benefits. Um, generally talk about here, obviously, we're not, I want you to talk about specifically what, what the pro of one specific partnership is. But in, in general, what are some of the, part, the, the pros you guys see as with, with, with manufacturers coming together in themselves, but also partnering with you guys? I think one of the one of the pros is is that when when these companies come together, you know they they get their engineers in a room and they make sure that these products and solutions are going to actually work really well together. So I think part of the benefit is it's it's pre vetted, um, you know they know that it's going to work and they've kind of they've identified you know any of the pain points and and tried to work those out for the integrators because at the end of the day they're they're trying to make it you know sort of I don't mean plug and play, but they're trying to make it, you know, a better experience, you know, for the integrator. Um, I think some, one of the cons for some of these manufacturers is, you know, the, most of the times the integrators, they have their partners they like to work with, you know, they, they have their set play and introducing something else into the mix, you know, especially for the really big guys, that can kind of be a little bit, you know, unsettling. So, you know, I think, uh, I think there, there are pros and cons and, um, you know, for us as a distributor, sometimes they might bring in a partner that, that we don't have a relationship with, and that can end up being a little problematic in terms of, you know, inventory and, and how we, how we, you know, count that. But um, at the end of the day, I think the, the biggest pro is the, the pre-vetting of the solutions working together. It's a huge one. Adam, from a manufacturer standpoint, walk me through this process. Somebody comes to you and says, you know, Adam, we've got this great idea. We want to take Jabra and we want to put it here, right? Regardless of where here is. Um, walk me through that process and, and to Melody's point, you know, how you guys are able to vet those, those, those opportunities and make sure that you're serving both your clients well. I mean, there's, there's obviously it's supply and demand, right? The, 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 the larger players in the market will pull in the most attention in terms of trying to get your device certified on their systems, making sure it works. And Melly touched on exactly all the right points. It's because you just want to be able to deploy the system and not have to worry about someone having to go around and tweak and change and modify things because in the end, the more complexity you introduce, just the less chance that the system's going to get deployed right. So when we work with a partner to do that, um, it's really, it's about trying to lower the barrier. If you know that you can deploy hardware into a place without having to introduce new software, new backend systems, uh, I'll give an example of a common one. So if you're team certified with Microsoft Teams and knowing that all of our data and all of our input points as these devices become more complex can show up within those terminals without having to install more software, without having to go through IT security to get additional things vetted and approved, if you know that you can just plug into an already existing system and get everything out there, full use of the product, that, that's just gonna make the path to getting everything deployed that much smoother. The challenge for us comes then is, you know, as certain industries get disrupted, as more players come in, that just means there's extra work for us to make sure we're authorized and certified with all the multitude of providers that are out there. Cause then it'll be Teams, it'll be Zoom, it'll be Cisco, it'll carry on all the way along the line, right? So um, we can easily make a plug and play device that works, but then getting that certification means that you just allow more things to be present within an existing system. And that's not just the UC systems itself, interestingly enough, it's also 
the rise of all the UC monitoring systems, like a service like Nectar, right, or anything else like that, where IT departments deploy a monitoring system and they then want to be able to control their devices through that, you need to also make sure that us as a manufacturer are working with them. Because if you're using a UC monitoring system to monitor the client and the hardware and the network and everything, you've got to then be able to be present in that as well. So um, it definitely is a case of just lowering the barrier and making sure that it's easier to get in place. Real quickly before I get in on this, can you give me from a manufacturer's point of view, the difference for you guys between partnering directly with someone and, and like you, you go to them or they come to you and say, let's, let's work together versus joining, let's say team, you, you mentioned teams joining, like, like make sure that your products are teams certified. In other words, there's this open program, Microsoft's like, here you go, guys, but you know, here, here's the standards, here's the process. If you want your products to become team certified, here you go. You, you're more than welcome to, but so are all these other folks over here, right? Versus it's just you and Zoom, right? Or it's just you yeah. and Cisco. Well, the challenge is, I mean, the op there's pros and cons. If, if it's just us and one, then naturally you could go very deep. And there's, you can start to even co-join in your development and develop things that are unique to that ecosystem. Um, and that gives you a real powerful integration. But the other part of it is if you're looking at just a larger one where there's a whole lot of people trying to get certified, the challenge then becomes going through the certification process is pretty standard. A lot of the bigger organizations have a set process, set testing facilities to do all of this. Um, but then you get the challenge of it's harder to push new tech into those systems. As an example, this 180 degree field of view, when a company sets in their video standards, they're not thinking 180 degree field of view. They're thinking anywhere between 90 and 120 degrees, right, diagonal. And that's how they expect their system to work ideally. And then suddenly you've got this kind of boundary barrier breaking piece of tech in place. And then the certification process needs to change. And that then comes down to a lot of pressure on a relationship with the system owner. Can we then get their specs changed to include this and vice versa it also happens in reverse they might bring in new tech and bring that to us and say look you've got to get your hardware updated to match this but more often than not between many of us manufacturers as we try to differentiate it's us trying to get new tech built into the standard certification matt from a dealer standpoint uh somebody comes to you and says you you can get this or you can get this but you can get them together it's going to be all the, all the better what are the pros and cons from you guys uh, from your point of view uh, of, of these manufacturer partnerships? The, the biggest pro is always the fact that in theory, you get a certified solution. You can walk in and say, Hey, you know, we're speaking a video. All it's going to come with this, 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 and this, and it's already been engineered. We don't have to do the engineering in house to make sure that that's going to function. The con of it is when it doesn't actually work properly <laughs> or when it becomes something where, you really want to spec, in this case, those LG panels, but you do not want to use that media server. But your supplier pushes so heavily and gives you so much pushback that this is the approved solution. You should be using this, but it may not always fit what you're trying to do. So it's from our end, it's always a balance of we love it when there's a partnership that brings two parties together and makes our job and our life easier. 
it's a challenge when that gets pushed so heavily that you almost get shunned when you try to go another direction. And like anything, the, the main jux of what we do in this industry is put a lot of stuff together and make it work. A lot, you know, probably 90% of the time you can take that, that predefined solution and it's fine. But for that 10% of the time, everyone has to be flexible knowing that uh, there are situations where that just doesn't work out. Uh, all right, guys, last story here comes to us from Commercial Integrator and our buddy Craig McCormick, writing about AV as a service. And you'll read the whole thing. We'll put the link on, on this, this episode's uh, page. But I want to point out a couple of things. Uh, CI did a, a state of the industry report for 2019. And a couple of things I want to pull out here. Number one is that more than one quarter of survey responders earn nothing, zero, from service. They have no RMR, no, no recurring uh, monthly revenue. 60% of those who took the survey bring in less than 5% of their overall revenue from service and only 4% of survey respondents say that they generate more than a third of their revenue from service. And I'm going to start with you on this from the manufacturer's side and, and I actually probably should start with Melody and Adam on this and then end with Matt or start with Matt and, and go that way. Um, from the manufacturer's side, you guys work with, with dealers on a, on a daily basis. Is recurring revenue, is AV as a service um, something that they're thinking about, something that they're working towards, and they're just not finding it? Or is it so simply something that you're finding that they're just not, it's not on their radar at, our, at all, um, and it's not something that they're concerned about? Uh, I mean, it's safe to say anything as a service is a major topic for everyone because if you can shift into a reoccurring revenue model that allows flexibility, that's obviously in a very ideal situation. The difficulty is, is it's across the board difficult because it's not just the dealers or our distribution partners or anyone else like that or us. It's also on the, on the client side, on the customers. It's how do they get their budget allocated to them? You know, it's a case of the IT manager, he gets given a, a set budget to deploy with. He, didn't, he doesn't get given a reoccurring budget to go and spend over a period of time. Um, and those conversations get very tough and we need to work together with partners to say, well, what are the advantages of it? and What are the disadvantages? And right now, it's really just the complexity of getting it set up. It's, um, the article itself actually touched on some very good points. It's about retraining sales forces, retraining partnerships. Um, those are all very valid things because if you're going from a, I get my invoice and I'm done and I'm deployed and now I'm moving on to the next project. Uh, and that's what a lot of big companies do. They live on a project by project budget. No one's really got a continual revenue stream. That's a cultural break that you need to navigate. And for us, it's the hardest part or the hardest part in this discussion for anything as a service is, is managing the cultural break and it doesn't feel like the industry is completely just there yet that they're ready to just switch because it's, it seems through the line that this is a challenge. Well, Melody, same kind of question to you because Almo over the last 10 years has developed programs for their customers, right? To, to almost to encourage recurring revenue, right? You're, you guys are creating some products like here, take this, you know, you, you can get RMR with this. What are you guys finding when you talk to dealers? Well, um, I think, Adam is right about retraining the salespeople because uh, I'm going to take uh, content creation for digital signage as an example. 
you know, if you're talking to the IT guy, you're talking to the wrong guy. It's the marketing departments who have the continuous budget to refresh the content, refresh the ads, or the, in some cases, it's the HR department. They want to deploy these panels for uh, corporate communications. I mean, just in our own warehouses, we're deploying uh, panels with Brightside players so that we can tell them about wellness tips and safety tips and all these kinds of things. And that's coming from the HR budget, whereas, you know, in some cases for these other companies, like advertising or out of home you know it's, it's the marketing departments and they're not used to having those conversations with creative people so you know we have a, a group of, of creative people who also speak AV and many times they're getting on the calls with the marketing department and the integrator and and gymnast our guy says I'm, I'm the interpreter <laughs> between the two people like okay I want to communicate this and then Gunner's like how do we hook it up and he's like wait 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 let's let's, let's talk about their advertising goals or the communication goals so um, I think the other part of AV as a service is you know there's a there's a barrier for entry on the amount of investment that the integrator would have to make in, in hiring headcount and you know skilled labor in our market right now is already very tight um, the, the unemployment rate is really low. So hiring, recruiting, training those people, you know, that, that's a big challenge. So what we've tried to do is, you know, provide through our partnership, you know, skilled labor that they can use during the peaks and valleys or if they don't have that labor at all. We have one customer that is more, has been traditionally been an electrical contractor, now doing some AV coming in and we're doing all their programming services for them because they were coming on these opportunities for AMX and Crestron programming, but they didn't have programmers. And they're like, they're not a traditional AV guy, so they're not kind of stuck in this box. And they're like, wow, that's great. You can do this for us? Cool. <laughs> so um, it, it is kind of changing the mentality, I agree, but also talking to the right people within the organization. All right, Matt, what's wrong with 30% of your cohorts? <laughs> The same thing that was wrong with them when IT came in. Ah, okay. This this is the same ridiculous conversation, and Joe Way is completely wrong. Um, this is the same. <laughs> Let's explain that. Joe Way is one <laughs> higher education tech manager. From yes. Just recently he's, joined US, and he's wrong. USC. Um, and he has a significant problem with AV as a service from being a customer, right? So let's explain. Yes. Being a customer, if you want to, we'll put a link um, to a panel that I I, uh, I uh, hosted uh, at PSNI this year uh, with a bunch of other tech managers. Just for the record, uh, but Joe, yeah, Joe has a problem with with AV as a service. But go ahead, and he's still wrong. But this is the same conversation that this the industry had uh, back when IT was coming in, and everything was becoming and 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 being part of the network, where you had a vast majority of the industry that shun that for years and they just kept deferring that off to oh that's 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 the IT's world we're not touching that we want nothing to do with that that's not what we do av as a service no matter what flavor of it you want to play in it is where this industry is going to go it is where the entire business model is going to shift to it's just a matter of determining how you're going to do that or if you're going to get and, and give that part of the business away. Melody alluded to the, the creative aspect of creating content. If you don't do it, someone else will and they'll get paid way more than you will to do it. 
if you don't want to, uh, you know, supply your, your, you know, offices, uh, that type of corporate client with, um, a, a monthly service charge on their conferencing systems, someone else will walk into any fortune 500 company and ask them which computer they purchased last. And they'll never be able to tell you because they rent all of it. Half of them rent furniture. Now the, the concept that we can stand in an ivory tower and continue to sell boxes, which is really what this conversation goes down to of no, I want to sell you that TV and that, that Extron system and that, you know, audio system for that room. No, no, no. You can, you can rent that. And it does it as Adam and Melanie alluded to, you can completely change your business to do that. And it is a complete change, but it's coming. And if you don't, if we as a, an industry don't follow this very quickly, we will continue to get pushed out of places that we thought were concrete because the IT firms that are already doing this and are already scheduled to do this are, are, are just poised to come in and continue to offer this because they already offer it for everything else. It's a really, I do not understand the, the battle over this. I, 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 I somewhat get Joe's frustration with it from a, uh, an education funding standpoint, but still it, it's not that hard to come in because universities from an IT standpoint, they lease everything there too. Well, I think some of it is, 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 you know, Adam, Adam mentioned it, you know, retraining people. I think some of that is also retraining, you know, especially in education because it's been eight years, six years since I was in, in higher ed. We, we still did everything on CapEx, right? And we had a cycle and we had a refresh cycle. But even, you know, even eight, 10 years ago, they were still moving, more, migrating towards an, a, 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 an operational CapEx. But as soon as you get enough accountants, in those facilities who start looking at the cost of CapEx versus OpEx and go, Ooh, Ooh, we can write off a whole lot more of this a lot faster if it's OpEx. Yeah. It's all going to change. And like we did for a long time with it, we're liable to sit back and just kind of watch that ship sail and then complain a lot about why couldn't we get into that? My gosh, they're taking all our money. I don't get it. Was that soapbox enough for you? Oh, that was good. I like, I like that. All right. That'll be a good place to stop. Uh, Mr. Matt Scott, how will people find you and or Omega Audio Video? Uh, you can find me and o Omega on uh, Twitter. is pretty easy. Uh, Matt D. Scott on Twitter, Omega Audio Video on Twitter, and pretty much every other social platform. Uh, our website is omegaaudiovideo.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me with AV Nation doing a whole bunch of stuff. I'm everywhere. You are everywhere. Baby Nation every every single Wednesday actually, uh, at at eight o'clock in the morning Eastern. Um, Adam Robertson from Jabra, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or Jabra? Uh, they can get hold of us uh, to to Matt's point everywhere and anywhere. Uh, obviously, we're on all major social platforms and and obviously our website. But more importantly, you know, if people are looking to get access to our hardware and and our equipment and things like that. Most major distributors and resellers around the world do, do stock our product. And obviously, we have existing relationships. So they can easily get in touch with their local account manager as well. Very good. Uh, and last but not least, Melanie Craigmile from Almo Professional AV. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, thank you. You can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, 
I also, whoops, sorry about that. You can come meet me in person at the E4 events coming up September 25th in New York, New Jersey area and in Atlanta on October 15th. And that website is e4experience.com and every day at almoproavy.com. And uh, love to meet some of your audience there. Absolutely. And I, I mentioned this before, but uh, you get to see, uh, I'll get to, you get to see me and Melody together in person um, on September 25th uh, at the uh, um, Metro, New York Metro area um, uh, E4 experience. I'll be there uh, moderating a panel uh, audio that day. So you can actually go to e4experience.com and, and check that out. Hang out with us for a day in, in New Jersey. So yep. Um, for uh, for me, uh, at this point in the NFL season, which I know technically hasn't started yet, but this will post on Monday. Uh, and so in four days, the Bears will kick off uh, the 100th anniversary of the NFL with a uh, hopefully a beatdown of the, of the Green Bay Packers. And that made a couple folks that I know mad. So that's all right. <laughs> But uh, don't follow me, in other words, on the Twitters. But go by the website, if you would, please. Avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, including Matt's uh, weekly program. Uh, check out our daily download as well. Um, uh, a professional AV is helping us with that and sponsoring that for the next couple of months in the E4. So check that out. Uh, also, while you're there, speaking of our, our supporters, uh, check out that those folks that help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week. And in about two weeks' time, all the coverage from Cedia 2019 from Denver. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.